0: Well, good morning, church. Uh, my name is Paul, one of the pastors here at New Life President. I had the privilege of bringing to you God's word this morning. We are continuing along in our series in the book of Philippians, <clears throat> in our sermon series titled Joy in the Journey. And we are coming to almost the end of our series as we wrap up our ministry year this month. Well, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter 4. We'll be reading through verses 5 through 9. And if you're able, please If you could stand as an act of worship as we read God's holy and most perfect word for us here this morning. (coughs) This is God's word. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding Let's pray one more time. Father, we ask that now you would open our hearts and our minds to hear your word. Lord, in the midst of whatever is troubling our hearts this morning, we ask that even now that your peace will enter into our hearts and give us a a sense of rest and, and calmness as we hear your good news in the gospel of your son. We thank you Pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen. In 1871, Horatio G. Spafford. He was a very successful businessman who lived in Chicago. And if you know, in the 1870, one, there was a great Chicago fire, and he lost all that he earned, all that he saved, all that he's made overnight. So now thinking that it was good for his family to take a little break from life to go on a trip to Europe, he sent his wife Anna and four of his daughters on a ship to Europe, planning to follow them after just a couple of days. Unfortunately, the ship that Spafford's wife and daughters were in crashed with another bigger ship, and just in 12 minutes, the entire ship sank, and all four of his daughters drowned. But luckily, his wife survived, and when she arrived in Wales, she sent a message to her husband saying, Saved alone. So now having lost all his money, and now all four of his daughters, Spafford jumped into the next ship to Wales, and as he was passing by, the very exact same location where his daughters drowned. The story is that he wrote the lyrics to the famous hymn that we all know, It Is Well. And church, I wonder if any of us sitting here today, this morning, were in Spafford's shoes, having lost all of our money, all of our savings, all of our precious children, or essentially just having lost everything that you cherished, everything that you loved overnight, if you could really say the same words, It Is Well. With my soul. You know, we have a hard time even saying that when we have a migraine or a headache, when the traffic is bad, when our kids frustrate us, when the boss at work is unreasonable, when the weather is just too hot and humid, but when life's real and deep sorrows and pain and suffering like sea billows roll, if we're honest, it really doesn't feel like it is well with our souls. And today's passage takes us deeper now into the secret to whatever allows Spafford to write down those words and write those hymns. And the key that allows you and me this morning to also stand in the midst of life's chaos and also say, It is well with my soul. So three simple points for us this morning. First, we'll talk about the absence of peace. And then secondly, we talk about the foundation for your peace. And lastly, we take a look at the God. Of peace, So the absence of peace, your foundation for peace, and the God of peace. First, the absence of peace. If you remember last week in our passage, the Apostle Paul commanded the church to not be anxious about anything. And Pastor Will took us deeper into the real fears that lie behind their anxieties. And last week, and today's passage, is a continuation of that same problem. In other words, the premise of last week's passage... And today's passage is essentially do not be anxious. And Paul's solution is the same last week and today the peace of God, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. And if you were here last week, we saw how anxiety is such a normal part of our lives. We worry and we're anxious about our health, our money, our relationships. We worry about the things that we cannot control. We worry about a problem we face at work, or at school, or even in your homes. We're anxious before taking a test for you students. We're anxious before making that presentation at work, or having that difficult conversation with someone, perhaps even in this room. Or for some of us, our occasional anxiety has turned into an anxiety disorder with overwhelming fear and severe symptoms. And maybe for some of us here, even coming to church, On a Sunday morning, trying to look your best, trying to put on a smile, trying to look like you belong here, it just gives you anxiety just showing up here today. And you see, the Apostle Paul knows that this is a problem not just for the unbelievers, but for the church, for those of us who say we love God, we believe in Jesus, who put their faith in Christ, all of us still, even right now this moment, struggle with anxiety That's why in verse 6, he tells the church in Philippi, do not be anxious about anything. You see, sisters and brothers, the problem of your anxiety, the problem of your restlessness, ultimately it arises from your absence of peace. When things in your life are just going crazy all around, divisions, fights, quarrels, insecurity, as we saw last week, uncertainties, the absence of what the Bible calls shalom. And when the Bible talks about shalom, it's a very deep and meaningful word. We know shalom simply as peace. But shalom in the Bible can be defined as wholeness, total well-being and harmony, this full, holistic integration, everything functioning together the way it's supposed to be. It's shalom, peace, isn't just an absence of conflicts, an absence of division, an absence of tension but it's the presence of wholeness and this full flourishing. For example, a marriage with just no arguing, no fighting, just going through the motions isn't necessarily a marriage that experiences shalom, but a marriage that is filled with forgiveness, sacrifice, intimacy, rejoicing, affection, and trust. That's a marriage that experiences shalom because that's how God designed marriage to be enjoyed. And lived out and flourish. And I don't think I have to convince you that today, this moment, we're living in a world in a life that is absence of this shalom. All you have to do is just open up your phones. Open up your social media apps, your favorite news channel, your calendar apps, your missed calls, your emails. And maybe you're anxious today and you feel like you're lacking the sense of shalom because you're being pulled in all sorts of directions. There is this lack of harmony in your life. Things just aren't going the way they should. Maybe you feel like you just don't have shalom, peace in your life because you're filled with anxiety, worries, and fear because of this disharmony, this disintegration of your heart where your heart is being pulled in so many different directions and priorities and full of conflicting thoughts. A part of you just want to spend more time with your family. A part of you just want to be successful and wealthy at work. A part of you just want to be a really good Christian, but a part of you just want to retreat away, be alone, and be left alone. Or for some of us in this room, you feel an absence of shalom. You feel anxious because in your heart, you most deeply believe that God is far, that he's distant. You know in your mind that God is real. You know that God loves you. You know that Jesus is the Son of God. But in your heart, you believe, yes, he loves me, but he's far away. He sees me, he knows me, but he's far away sitting back just to see what I do next. Yes, I know in my mind that he cares for me, but how come? Right now, in the middle of my mess and my anxiety and worries, he's nowhere to be seen. I've been praying, trying to pray. Does he even listen? And maybe that's you this morning. And to be honest, I'm preaching this to myself as well. Wave, After waves of anxieties and fear and worries, your mind running at 100 miles per hour, your heart at war with conflicting thoughts and desires, tossing and turning at night, wondering where are you, God? Do you even care? Is this you this morning, church? Because I'm right there with you, and you are exactly the person that our passage this morning is for, which brings us to our next point, the foundation for our peace. Last week, Pastor Will gave us two simple applications to having our inward and outward peace, right? We can have inward peace by praying, by having prayer as a first line of defense against anxiety, and we can also have outward peace with one another as we agree in the Lord. And in our passage today, Paul gives us another way to have peace, this shalom, especially in the midst of your anxieties and worries, and God just feels so far and so distant. Would you read with me verse 8? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commandable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. How can we find shalom in our lives? Paul says, pray and agree in the Lord, but also finally, think, consider upon, ponder without ceasing. Is Paul telling us to live a life of positive thinking, and then you'll have peace. Think happy thoughts. Be optimistic about your outcomes, and then you can have shalom. I don't think so. If you look back at the verse right before in verse 7, Paul says this, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard. It will protect your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And the question that arises then is why? Why do our minds and our hearts need to be guarded by peace? Because in the midst of anxiety and worries and uncertainties, in the absence of your shalom, where the minds of your hearts are so prone to wonder It's more prone to believe also in the lies of the enemy. One of the things that our minds naturally do when we're stressed, when we're anxious is this word called catastrophizing. I practice that many, many times. Catastrophizing. According to the psychology journal published by UC Berkeley, we have a lot of Cal grads here, catastrophizing is a tendency where you assume the worst will happen when imagining a future situation. Even if you have evidence that this is not the most likely outcome. And people who like to feel in control, that's me, and can't stand uncertainties, are more likely to catastrophize and lead to a great deal of anxiety. And I wonder how many of us in this room catastrophize in the midst of our anxieties and uncertainties, assuming the worst, imagining the worst, anxious, that nothing is going to go well. For example, let's say a pastor is invited to speak at a guest retreat. He's nervous, anxious, and stressed. And he thinks, what if they don't like my sermons? What if they think I'm a terrible preacher? And then they'll be so bored. They'll make fun of me. Tell all their friends that I'm a bad pastor. I'll never be invited to another retreat. Word will get around, perhaps in Fullerton, Word will get around to people at my church, then I'll realize I'm a bad preacher, won't have a job, won't support my family and my two dogs. Honestly, when our minds are not guarded and protected by peace, that's how our minds work. We assume the worst, we catastrophize, we lean towards hopelessness rather than hope and peace. But not only that, in the middle of stressful, anxious, uncertain situations, you and I become more prone to believe the lies of Satan. His whispers in your ear saying, you deserve what you're getting now. This is God's payback for all those secret sins that no one else knows. Or how can you still say that God loves you? Just look at your life. Or God could just wave his hand and everything will go away, but he's not going to because maybe finally his love and his patience ran out on you. If God was real, if God was closer in your life, this wouldn't happen. Where is your God now? Dear church, the minds of our hearts are sick beyond their imagination. Left alone, the prophet Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately sick, who can understand it? You see, left unguarded, our mind and our hearts are under attack, and we are constantly deceived by our own hearts, and in the the absence of shalom, you and I are more prone to think about whatever is untrue, whatever is dishonorable, whatever is unjust, whatever is impure, whatever is unlovely, and uncommandable. And that's why Paul is exhorting you and me to think continually, ponder upon, about the exact opposite. Where he's not saying stop your negative thinking and catastrophizing and then practice positive thinking. No, he's saying think about what is true. Think about what is honorable and lovely and pure. Think about essentially the gospel truth, the gospel realities, the gospel promises, and they will be the foundation for your peace, your Shalom. As Kent Hughes says in his commentary, we must hide God's word in our hearts. We must make time for quiet meditation. We must read and reread passages listening to the spirit, turning the thoughts over in our minds, praying over a word or a phrase. In other words, church, do you want shalom in the midst of your anxiety? When God just feels so far and distant, ponder Christ. Think about these things. Fix your mind, feast your mind on Jesus, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus is the ultimate standard of all things true. All things honorable, all things just, all things pure, all things lovely, all things excellent and worthy of praise. So before we go into to our final point, here are just three. There are many gospel realities I would love to share. But three simple gospel objective truth and promises that are for you, for you to stand upon and have as your foundation for peace. First foundation is your justification turn with me to Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Same apostle Paul says this, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have shalom with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are reformed in our theology as one of our core values here at New Life Press, and we love this doctrine of justification, don't we? Where God in his free grace forgives us of all our sins, accepts us as righteous in his sight, not because of anything good that you can ever bring, but because of what Jesus has accomplished once and for all. And by only putting your faith in Jesus and his work for you, you are justified. If you put your faith, no matter how small, how weak, how feeble, in Jesus to be your only savior and help and lifeline, the gospel today declares to you that you have shalom with God. So when Satan never comes to you and whispers in your ears that you deserve what is happening in your life, that God is so upset with you because of how much you've sinned and how bad of a Christian you are, you can ponder and think upon and consider this gospel truth that you already have shalom with God because you've been justified, not by what you can bring to the table, but what God has brought upon on your behalf. You see, because Jesus died for you while you were still ungodly, while you were still sinners, while you were still enemies, you now have shalom with God. What does that mean? There's, that means there's not even one ounce of hatred or bitterness or even hesitation that God has for you. The gospel declares that you are as justified, as innocent, as pure, as lovable as you can and as you will ever be. So no matter the circumstance or the anxieties of your life today or tomorrow or 10 years from now, you already have shalom with God and his name is Jesus. And that peace is full. It's irreversible. It's as irreversible as Jesus' finished worked on the cross for sinners like you and me. So if you are in Christ Jesus today, know, friends, there is nothing that can make God ever frown upon you today for him to withhold any peace from you because he loved you then means he loves you now. But second foundation that we find <coughs> in the gospel is reconciliation. We drop down 10 more verses in the same chapter, Romans five eleven. Paul says this, more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom... We have now received reconciliation. Because you've been justified, declared not guilty of your cosmic rebellion, treason of your sin against God, the gospel declares that now you are reconciled to God. What does that mean, simply put? It means you went from enemy to friend. And this second gospel foundation, you can know that you are never alone, no matter how much you might feel like you are. Because, sisters and brothers, our tendency is to feel so distant and so alone, the more our, difficult our life gets, isn't it? That no one gets us. No one understands my anxiety. No one can understand what I'm going through, not even him. But the gospel declares to us once again in light of your reconciliation with God, going from enemy to friend, that when the burden and the weight of your world collapses in on you, and you just want to give up, and you feel like no one is understanding, right there you have a friend who does know exactly what you are going through. And he doesn't just sit in heaven far away and throws down a word of encouragement, throws down a word of exhortation, but he is right there with you where you are in the midst of anxiety as your peace. As the author of Hebrews 4 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. In reconciliation, you have a friend who gets you more than you can ever get yourself. The last foundation is salvation. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The gospel declares that if you are justified in Christ, if you're reconciled in Christ, that also means that you are saved. Whoever believes in him shall not be destroyed, but have eternal life. How does this give you peace and shalom today? Listen to what Dean Ortland says in his book. He says, Do you realize what is true of you if you are in Christ? those in union with him are promised that all the haunted brokenness that infects everything every relationship every conversation every family every email every awakening to consciousness in the morning every job every vacation everything will one day be rewound and reversed the more darkness and pain we experience in this life the more resplendence And relief in the next. Or as C.S. Lewis says, every agony that you face in this life will turn into glory. For anyone who is not in Christ Jesus and does not believe in Jesus, this life is the best it will ever get. For those of you and me who are in Christ Jesus, saved by grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone, this life, friends, is the worst it'll ever get. So church, the gospel declares to you that if you are saved in Christ, no matter the reason behind your anxieties and stress, no matter the chaos and confusion of your life or the fears of your life, no matter the uncertainties of your life, the one thing that is certain is that because of Jesus and because of your small, tiny, weak faith in him, this is the worst it'll ever get. There is eternal bliss and glory waiting for you just around the corner. And this gospel truth can give you shalom, just enough peace for you to just hold on for just a little bit longer. See, New Life prayers, the reason why Paul is exhorting for you to consider and ponder and think about these gospel realities is because there is nothing like the assurance that God loves you. The promise of his unconditional love and unending grace and his mercies in Jesus that can get into your heart and change you from the inside out. As my professor Dennis Johnson says, the only cure for your anxiety and your restlessness is the one who knows how you are put together from the inside out the one who knows why your heart is unsettled by the uncontrollable factors of life. The gospel declares, friends, that you are justified by the blood of Jesus, that you are reconciled from enemy to friend, and that you are saved for eternal life that is infinitely better than your best life here now. And you can have peace standing on that firm foundation for your shalom brings us to our last and final point. This will be the quickest point, the God of peace. Would you turn with me back to verse 5 of chapter 4 in Philippians? The Lord is at hand. It's such a short phrase, and it's easy for you and I to read over this, gloss over it, but I think this is the crux. This is the glue that holds our passages together of anxiety and peace. What holds it together It's this verse. In the Greek, the Lord is at hand literally translates into Lord is near. So let's read that again in verse 5. The Lord is near, continuing on verse 6. So do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul's not saying you better pray if you don't want to be anxious. He's saying, no, no, the Lord is near so you don't have to be anxious. The Lord is near so you can bring up everything by supplication and thanksgiving to him. Let him know what you need. So church and visitors, this is the good news. Knowing, believing, And living out this gospel reality that the Lord is at hand, that God is near, is the key and the secret to this peace that surpasses all of your understanding. Because look at verse 9 with me. Paul says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. How does he end up the passage? He says, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul wants to remind anyone in this room that is anxious anyone that worries, anyone that is limping through life today, that God doesn't just lob you down peace of God in verse 7, but he gives you God himself, the God of peace in verse 9. Right, Jesus has gone literally through hell and back to be near you. He has received the wrath of God for your sin and mine so that you will never be forgotten or forsaken or held at an arm's distance. Jesus has given you the most important, Peace that you could ever need. Shalom between sinners and a holy God. And as Paul says in Ephesians 2, but now, today, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far, far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For Christ himself is our peace. And the question I want us to ponder upon, friends, is this. If Jesus shed his blood, gave up his life, so that he could bring you close and be near you. How much more now that he is near can you freely, confidently, joyfully, in everything by supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God? To be honest, I can't fully fathom what you might be going through today, what you might be battling through the season of your life what you're so anxious about, what's so troubling you at night, and maybe you don't even know, and you don't even completely understand why you feel so anxious and scared and afraid. But the good news is that God's peace, his shalom, is a peace that surpasses your inability to understand why you feel that way. His peace surpasses, transcends, overwhelms, overshadows your inability to understand what is going on. That's the good news. That's the sweet gospel. Joni Erickson Tada, a Christian author some of you may have heard of, she was paralyzed from the neck down from a diving accident about 50 years ago. And she says this, God has chosen not to heal me, but to hold me. The more intense the pain, the closer the embrace. Sisters and brothers, God may not provide you a full understanding of why your life is the way it is now. Nor the solutions to all your anxieties and worries and fears, but he gives you himself. He gives you the God of peace. And you have a heavenly father who wants to remind you of his goodness of his peace, of his power, and of his love, and of his nearness to you. As we come to a close, Jesus, your shalom, your God of peace that surpasses all your understanding, has gone to the cross to assure you that he will walk with you now through your anxiety, in your chaos, and he will protect your hearts, he'll protect your minds. And if you think about it, Jesus achieved and accomplished, and he brought you that peace, that perfect shalom for you in the most painful, most bloody, most violent, wrathful moment in all of history, 2,000 years ago. And maybe, perhaps, that's why Horatio Spafford found shalom, peace like a river when he was passing by the exact place where four of his daughters died. And maybe that's why Joni Erikson Tata finds shalom, not when things are going well and there's no pain, but when physical and emotional pain and discomforts are raging all around. And maybe, just maybe, it's in the middle of your raging fears and anxiety and stress and worries, in the middle of your battles, where you can also have shalom. Where you feel Jesus so close so near, and he gives you just enough strength to say, I don't understand, but you do. I don't have the answer, but you do. I don't know if I can hold on, but you will. So church, I pray that we can all learn to fix our eyes upon Jesus and ponder upon who he is. Consider upon what he has done. And consider and think about these things continually, about the ultimate standard of what is true, what is honorable, what is just, what is pure, what is lovely and commandable. Jesus Christ, who is worthy of all praise and who is excellent in all ways, especially in your anxiety and fears, especially when God feels far and distant, know that the Lord is at hand, that the Lord is near. Know that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard and protect your hearts. Know that the God of peace himself has been and is and will be with you. And know that because of Jesus, it is well with your souls. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father who is near and close even when it feels like the opposite. Lord, we confess that it's so hard for us to fathom that even in the valleys of the shadow of our death that you are actually there with us. But Lord, you remind us today and time and time again that no matter what we feel like or what we think like, you are near and you are at the end. And Lord, may that gospel truth be a reminder and be a the engine, the heart of what drives us enough strength to say that in the middle of our chaos and confusion that you are in absolute control and so that we can cast all of our anxiety on you because you do care. And every time we do forget that, Lord, help us to think upon and consider upon and ponder upon the things of the gospel truth that you love us that we are justified, that we are reconciled, and we are saved in you and you alone. Grant us peace and shalom today and for the rest of our lives until we see you face to face. We thank you and pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.